you want to just go straight into his thing when we start? Sure. Okay. Then we'll see where it goes from there. We'll just blossom. Yeah. We're just going to wing it. Sure. None of this Joe Rogan. So I heard about flying saucers. Yeah. Oh, or, man. Is, uh, I, I tried uh, to do it. Uh, fucking Elon Musk. I heard like fucks yeah. pigs. When I tried to do a Joe Rogan when he was talking to the adventure period. He was like, okay, but Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at impressions. But like, you okay, smoke, but, but, weird. Yeah, but mean, Ben, you smoke it. weed, right? And like, no, I'd never, I've never smoked weed in my life. <laughs> No, but no, you, I never you, smoked weed. I, no, I'm, I'm saying I've never, I've never smoked weed. I've never smoked weed. But what if you were of, to smoke what, weed at this juncture in history, it's bound to be a federal regulation at some point. What, Who are you doing? Um, what, what, <laughs> that what, was Andreas Antonopoulos. What, okay. uh, what music? You know? <laughs> what, what music do you listen to, Ben Shapiro? When you, if you listen to music, what, what music do you? Like? What, what do you think I play? I play classic violin, violin, jazz violin. I love it. All right. Anyway, you can't. I hear- listen to dubstep beats of my parents making me. You're so dark. <laughs> dubstep that just processed what you said. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. There's that. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Fake Philosophers. Today we got me, Mike. We got Mitch over here. Hi. And then coming remotely, Eddie from Chernobyl. From Chernobyl. No, where are from you from? Chernobyl. Where are you at, Eddie? Do you want to disclose that or just Southern California? I'm, I'm in San Diego. Oh, God. You had to say it. Okay. You can ask what part. What part? Or, or we could just move La Jolla. <laughs> La Jolla there, there now go. everybody knows. You now we know to where to find Eddie. Eddie. All right. We're not saying where we are, so fuck you. Pretty much. <laughs> You're in Rancho. Oh, shit. We're not, though. We're not, though. Oh, yeah, we're not. We're not ah, though. trick. Yeah. All right. So, Eddie, uh, you brought up a topic that you seem passionate about. Yes. I, right. I brought up. Well, of course, we all met on stage because I know our viewers are watching every single episode that we produce and they're yeah. they're waiting for this one. Yeah, th- I noticed, thousands of subscri- subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we love every single goddamn one of them. Well, as you can tell. Uh, OK, so <laughs> this is interesting. Um we all met through theater mm-hmm. and I've been getting into improv lately. The last time I was even in a play was, uh, what? It was, it was damn near nine years ago. I don't say yeah, 2012 for me. Ago. Was that double Holy bulldog? Crap. Was it double bulldog? No. It, uh, no, it was, uh, a few good men in Texas. That's right. I walked by a theater. I was like, Oh my God. I remember that actually. I remember you being really stoked about that. That, that was cause I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Uh, but where I was going with this is last night, improv classes started up doing a, a level two at National Comedy Theater uh, next to the Shakespeare's Pub. How awesome is that? But the thing is, um, Meisner is new to me. Sanford Meisner, his his process gets you really in because I'm a community theater actor and I'm waiting for the next line. I know what's up. You're queuing me up and I hit the ball and then we go back and forth. And yes, it's like timing, and- but it's not really emotion. And I felt really called out as an actor because is that acting or is that just standing on stage and just playing ping pong with somebody else's script? So, mm-hmm. so not to, I mean, I obviously know what it is, but for the listeners that might not know what Meisner is, you should explain to them what uh, what Meisner is. Go ahead and explain to the, the yeah. audience uh, uh, what, what Meisner yeah. is. Yeah. From what I get, oh, this is putting me on the spot. From what I understand of it, it's not doing what I've been doing as an actor. It's catching the feeling. It's really ingesting and listening, actively listening to what that other person says hmm. and then channeling that emotion with what this, uh, the playwright wrote down. 
Mm-hmm. So yes, you're going to be cued with a word, but you're going to actually react and listen to what you've heard rather than just, you know, saying, oh, wow, open the door. You know, it's like, with, but with feeling, you're actually listening what line comes next and your genuine reaction to it. But what you're going to say next is scripted. Hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's more about the, are you saying it's more about the, the illusion of the first time and reacting and emotionally reacting? It's about, yes. And it, the idea is to keep it fresh. You're saying that line for the first time. You're feeling right. for the first time every single night, every single performance. I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So that's Go why on. I wanted to get into it. And that seems like a lot of, you know, what the idea of improv is, except you're not, there, there is no script. You're building the script. You're building the character for a certain period of time. And that character, that reaction only lasts and everything talk about fresh. You don't know what's coming next. It's not canned. The interesting thing about it is you could certainly have a, uh, have a career have a body of work that exists solely in improv. You're only yes ands, don't deny, do everything on the third wall, and just not know what blocking is, not know uh, where the best Sanford, uh, you know, uh, the best uh, uh, Meisner school is around here, and just kind of get along with that. But these are two arts that, to me, are very synonymous if, if you study acting, why wouldn't you study improv? And if you understand improv and study improv, why would you not want to get into acting? Oh, now, in L.A., this is a non-issue. When you're yeah. dealing you know, with the folks up there, it's like, yeah, and they sing and they dance and play guitar and the pipe organ, you know. It's multi-talented. <laughs> and the mandolin for some fucking reason. And the, and the mandolin. Occasional mandolin. Yeah. So I just found that very interesting. I was not prepared for my instructor last night to say, what? When I asked her, where's the best Meisner school? I was, mm-hmm. I expected to get everybody to chime in, but it's like with, with people who were just kind of new to improv. Um, yeah. I don't think the uh, response would have been, would have been what I was expecting. It was certainly not yeah. uh, what I was expecting from, from the instructor. Well, yeah, I was going to, um, when you, when you brought it up, I kind of was thinking, and I, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, I think I asked you, like, is it like a community theater improv class? Because, mm-hmm. like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound condescending. And it's not even to you, Eddie, because I think, I think you sold yourself short. I think you're better than just a community theater actor. I've seen you work. Um, but a lot of times when you go to, like, these community improv classes, like, not if you go to, like, to an improv class in L.A. that's, like, taught by industry people, it's going to be serious. And, you, and you've done that, I believe. You've, you've gone to Groundlings yes. and stuff. But if you go to, like, your community improv class – that's taught by like Becky, who's like a, an elementary school teacher. Yeah, every every and, theater has that workshop that they do once yeah. every two weeks, where you pay your fifteen dollars for a month or something like that, and yeah, and you have the workshop class. Exactly, yeah. and that's where like when when you told me that your your improv instructor didn't know what Meisner was, like for me, um, I, I I studied theater, so when I and, and not to knock on you again, Eddie, even though I give you some shit about it, when you said like, oh, I just learned what Meisner was, I was like, well, of course, like that's. That's great, A, but you, you've actually, even though I think you're a great actor, you're right, you've never actually studied the work in a sense. So, so it was new to you. Even though I think you already knew a lot of that stuff, it was new to you as a study. But you're, you're, my point is your community theater uh, improv instructor is going to be you know, a teacher or an accountant who does it for free. Works or, in marketing. Yeah, and, and doesn't really know. <laughs> or the, the tech industry. Or the tech industry. And doesn't <laughs> yeah. really know the study of theater. They just kind of know, hey, improv is fun and these are games we play. 
Does that make sense? Exactly. Without sounding condescending. It's less yeah. character based. No, yeah. it, I and think it's a more it's... games based. But interestingly enough, we did a lot of character work mm-hmm. last night. And even at level two, you know, down here, it's like people aren't doing space work, people are still denying. Granted, it was very interesting because even the instructor, um, we were playing what Zoom Parfigliano uh twizzle or whatever that game was the and it's fuck a, are you talking it's, about <laughs> yeah these are improv <laughs> games and she was losing because it's been a year since anybody's gotten on stage so oh, it's so like you know, psyched, yeah. zaps up mm-hmm. or something like that it's like uh so it's been a year and a half and it's interesting to hear her speak because even their main cast they think it's a great idea just to you know get into the theater, bring a bucket of IPAs and then just sit and talk and then just feel each other out again and sure. rediscover it. They're not even going to have performances actually with an audience and tickets and stuff like that mm-hmm. until September. Cause they really need to get ready. And I, oh, I sure. sensed that last night. Well, well, I think we all know, like even acting in general, it is like a, a, a muscle, like you have to warm it up. I remember um, when I did uh, the last play I did was uh, one floor of the cuckoo's nest in 2012 and even before that, the last play I, I had truly done was maybe a year and a half before. And going into Cuckoo's Nest, I could feel myself being rusty. Mm. Like, I really mm-hmm. had to push. Like, oh, shit. Like, it's like if you're a, a runner and you haven't run for a year, yeah. it's going to be tough. Yep. Yeah. There, there's a lot of comparisons with, like, uh, uh, police officers even talk about how if they don't go to the range. You know, police officers, they carry, a, they carry an, a, a firearm every day, but they don't use it every day. And then that's why they should anyway it's still be going to the range at least once a month just to get that muscle memory it's a degrading in. skill sure yeah. mm-hmm. but anyway going back to the original topic uh, i personally think uh I, I think um so when you brought this up the other day uh eddie danny and i were on um, a headset chat on xbox and he started talking i knew he knew he couldn't come tonight so i think he was getting his piece into me then and um oh, giggity yeah one, one thing he said was he brought up a lot of these uh kind of professional improvisers who are actors. Um, I think he brought up Ryan Stiles, um, a couple other guys on Who's Line. He even brought up uh, Robin Williams, um, a couple like people on that level. And my response was, because he's talking about uh, improv and acting and why they don't interact more. If you look at Ryan Stiles and some of those guys, they're technically, because they have acted in things, actors. Mm-hmm. You know? yes. But if you look at Ryan Stiles' skills, which I like Ryan Stiles, He's not an actor. Like he's, he, he's limited. Yeah, he's limited. He doesn't. I don't. He's been on Two and a Half Men, um, Drew Carey, all that stuff, and I've never seen him like do work, character work, right. character studies. He does his thing, and he's great at it. Yeah. He's a he's an improv comedian first. Whereas you look at Robin Williams or or Steve Carell or uh, is Steve it, Steve Carell, yeah, is an example of, of that great improv start, but then blossomed into a great actor. And yes. what's uh, is it Bob Odenkirk or or Bill Odenkirk? Yeah, Bob Bob, Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Yeah. Bob Odenkirk. He went. He did Second City. Right. Yeah. Right. But same kind of thing. Really started with improv as his base, and then, well, when I went to Steve Carell in the office, all his improv work were some of the best bits in the show sure. because he had that improv background. But he but he kind of grew his acting yeah. like something you just don't see in a lot of yeah and what i was going to kind of get to too is um i think uh kind of, i kind of think the same thing with um singing and the musical side of theater that an actor who studies improv is enriching themselves as an actor mm. but an improv artist for the most part doesn't need to know the acting study to do the improv in my opinion that's a great point oh, yeah interesting um, that is a very very good you, point. you do, there, are, there are there are tools i'm sure eddie you, you've taken much more improv classes than me there are tools that improvisers use in their own right but they don't need acting tools to do that job whereas actors 
have their acting tools, but then they can use improvisational tools interesting, to, wow. to enrich themselves. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I feel about like singing too. Yeah. Like singers don't need acting skills to be a good singer. Right. Um, they would Very have to true. go and study that. Whereas actors learning to sing is now enriching themselves as an actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of link uh, singing and musical talent to impro- improvisation in right. a sense. When it comes to acting, anyway. well, we've all seen like movies too. And this, I don't know if this isn't really the same kind of what you're talking about, but you do see those movies where they take, if it's a sports movie, they take a jock and then try to teach him how to act. Yes. In order to make the scene, you know, and it's yes. like, you know, if he's got to look at, and I'm, I've always been an advocate, it's like, no, get the actor first and then teach them how to play the sport. Same with yes. musicals. I mean, it kills it for me if it's a musical and a bad actor. And I know some people, like, it kills it for them if it's a good actor and a bad singer. It just ruins the whole thing for them. But for me personally, it's if the acting isn't good, I I, I, I would say the it. same. And that's where, like, we're going way off topic, but still similar theme uh, when Les Miserables came out. Yeah. I know a lot of people ripped into Russell Crowe yeah. for being a shit singer. Right. I don't think he did that job, bad job singing, uh-huh. but he's still a good actor. So I was like, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but imagine if someone, like, killed the song, but there was, like, no... And I'm not... Because, like, the people who do Broadway are obviously actors first as well. Yeah. So maybe that isn't a great example with Les Mis specifically. No, no. I mean, that's a it's an example of what I prefer. Is I'd yeah. rather have a good actor and a less than good singer than the other way around. Yeah. But a- you're absolutely right about the athlete thing, though, because I think an actor can accurately portray an athlete Yeah. Um, by just studying film, learning how they move. But teaching an athlete how to <laughs> act is insanely harder. Yeah. Um, and that's why mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant was a producer. And he, he knew it. And he, He's <laughs> like, he knew it. Granted, I think Kobe could have acted. I think he could have. He would have pulled a Space Jam on us. Yeah. Or... Yes. Um, and then to kind of, because Eddie, you're military. Did you see um, Medal of, was it Medal of Valor? Oh, God. What was it? The, uh, the, yeah, I, or the Navy Medal SEAL? Of... The Act of Valor. Act of Valor. Valor. Act Sorry. Valor. Act of Valor. Kill me. So that one, I think, is similar. Obviously, we're getting way off the, of the improv. Did you ever see that? I did see that, and I, I saw it with a biased context because it was on base and what have you. Sure, nice. So I, from an, I didn't look at it artistic. I just let it, looked at it as damn straight, you know, the whole <laughs> yeah. time. Fine movie, and damn it, these are active duty seals. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say? You know, it's see, like that's that's how I, I watched it. I didn't. I let, no artistic. It's just yeah, that's it. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's how I watch Red Dawn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We all have that movie. We all have that movie. No, but I remember watching that movie, and I did enjoy it. But to me, it played like a video game to where, like, there's the action, and it's super great. And then you cut to a cut scene, and it's just two guys standing next to each other like, so what are we going to do next? We're going to – we have to fight the bad guys over there. All right, as long as I get back home to my family. Like, it, it really played to me like a video game with, like, the bad cut scenes between yeah. awesome action. Um, we'll compare that to uh, uh, Black Hawk Down, where you have stellar actors being taught how to do military, mm-hmm. and it just plays like a so much better movie because it's a movie, not yes. a recruitment ad. Yes, and I, I get though. I think that was part of the shtick of Active Valor was like these are real seals. Yeah, so yeah, it kind of played up the shtick, and I get yeah. it. But um, so that's why I can't hate on it too much because they were never they never lied about it. Then they knew what they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then again, can can you imagine being the director? It's like. You have your actor saying, no, we want to do this once. One take. We did it. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we get I, it right the first time if, and then we move on. Yeah, it's if, like, if, I, if I was that director, I would have been, I would have lost my fucking mind probably <laughs> just three days in. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> no, it's, it was like the, uh, for me, uh, those movies, the expendables, it mm. was, it was just, 
movie wise, artistic wise, it was just probably subpar. But action sequence wise, it was pretty oh. awesome. So, and what I loved is that they never lied about it. From Jump, they were like, "Look, this is just, just action '80s sequence masturbation. Just watch it." And, yeah, and that's gun porn. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I will say though, I think uh, as far as movies are concerned, the improv going back to it, they can use it pretty well. Like um, the the director's name's eluding me. Eugene Levy was in all those movies. Um, mm-hmm. What was it? Best of oh, Show. Christopher Day. Chris- Christopher Day. Day yeah. Well, yeah. Christopher Guest did some of them. Christopher, Christopher Guest, Guest. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Because, oh, okay, yeah. like, those movies, to my knowledge, he pretty much had an outline, and then he just got all these yeah. actors who had improv skills right. and were like, let's do it. Yeah. So that, I think, is cool. It's ridiculous, too. Eugene Levy in... I only saw A Mighty Wind. Catherine O'Hara. Uh, like, Catherine O'Hara. I, I just couldn't believe it. My jaw was on the floor. Yeah. How everything came together mm-hmm. and just the that was just okay. You just saw his character. That's experience coming together yeah. Yeah. with a good director and a good script. So you just saw those. You, you just saw those recently. The Best in Show and Mighty Wind. I remember because you were posting. I about haven't it. seen and Best in Show. Yeah, I haven't seen be- that. Best in Show is good. Best in Show okay, and and, and Spinal Tap are my favorites, but mm-hmm. Mighty Wind is amazing. Uh, waiting for Have you seen uh, Waiting for Guffman? Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Um, and. There's one, it was called For Your Consideration, I think, which was about, it, it was a parody on the whole Oscar scene. I think I've seen that one. They were making a yeah. movie, and there's a rumor that someone's going to be nominated, so it just all goes to mm-hmm. shit. It's really funny. That's awesome. But, I, I want to see all Christopher Guest movies. I'm into that genre now. Yeah. You know, uh, just to, I'm sure you guys already knew this, but I only learned this for like six months ago. Uh, Christopher Guest played the Six-Fingered Man in Princess Bride. I did know that. You did know that. Okay, yeah, see, I, I did I, not... I did not did know, not that. know that. I grew up with Princess Bride. I grew up with Spinal Tap, and it was up until six months ago that I learned that uh, the the guitarist was the Six Fingered Man. I learned somewhat recently, like oh. not not like six months. Somewhere in the last like five years, I learned that. Oh. So yeah, unreal. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. So I, I will That's say, cool. uh, even though like I kind of I kind of shit on improv when I said like I almost said like actors are better in a sense because like acting uses improv to enrich themselves, but improv doesn't require acting. Mm. Meaning like I don't know. But I do think there is a uh, such a nice talent for those who really, you know, wrap their hands around improv. And I was going to give an example. Um, have you ever met DJ? I might have. I don't know. I think you may have in passing. I know uh, Eddie knows DJ. Many lobby shows, yes. Yes. So DJ was part of the lobby. And I remember some time back he told the story. I wasn't there. But they were doing um, – Eddie, uh, when you wipe the scene and start over – is that a herald? Yeah. Is that a herald? Uh, you don't necessarily start over. You continue from a thought. Okay, so, I, I forgot what yeah, it was. Yeah, but mm-hmm. so he was telling the story that they were doing they were doing a scene and um, and Matt, who was in the, the team, like legit, like fell over and hit the ground and just laid there. So they did whatever they they did to like reset the scene, and Matt just continued laying there. <laughs> and and DJ told me it was like this magic moment that like they were trying to. In in character, they were trying to like it was almost character on character. For like so, DJ now is DJ, and he's a character in the scene, and now they oh, created yeah. another character. So like they they try to like reset the scene while also acknowledging that Matt's not moving. God, does that oh, make sense? Wow. God, I so wish that was on. So they're like, if it was DJ, he's like DJ. Okay, Mitch. Yeah. So 
before they're in the hospital, like now we're like, okay, now we're in the park and huh, Matt's over there. Just Matt's okay. Right. He's just over. There. So then like they kept going and Matt just That's stopped awesome. moving. So he played, like, was playing himself as a character. Yeah. Like, so oh, it was wow. like now an extra layer of like, wow. they're aware they're in this improv thing Yeah. and Matt's hurt. Broke the fourth wall and they kind of broke. The, so they almost wow. like did a That's third crazy. layer of noises off ask. That's yeah. so meta right there. Yeah. And That's so like, you, yeah. One thing about those shows is that it's Groundlings, even if you go to Groundlings, they'll steer you in a direction. You just say something to the to the performers at the lobby and they go with it. There's no steering. It's just gloves off all the yeah. time. And I, just remember, and I was like, wow. Yeah, when DJ told me that story, I was like, oh, I fucking wish I was there. Like that, because I've never heard of that happening before. Yeah. We're like, like, being this made a thing of like, is Matt really hurt or not? Yeah. <laughs> like, And the audience, like, because it, it'd be a fine line to play because like you want to you want to like play that, but then you also want to put the audience at ease. Like the audience knows, well, oh, okay, they're going. I guess it, like they made it clear though that when they were acting, like it was, right. it so was you, a show. You, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That line between I'm playing myself and I'm also still acting yeah. kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's almost like uh, when it's happened in a lot of things where like an actor will play themselves in a movie. Yeah. Being an actor. Yeah. It was yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Okay. Um, but I remember he told me that and I was like, that's great. And I guess he said like we didn't plan it. It just happened organically that I guess Matt fell over. I got pissed mm. off. Like himself got pissed off. He's like, I'm just going to lay here. <laughs> and then the rest of the guys just played off it. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was brilliant. Awesome. Um, it's, it's those interesting souffle moments that make it worthwhile. For example, a guy last night, he just wouldn't shut up. And, <laughs> and we're playing freeze tag. It, so it, you go in and out. I became teller all of a sudden. And I didn't say a <laughs> word. I was just like, it was like, and, and, and he's breaking, you know, rules in improv he's like no you got to go catch the ball and i'm just like going i didn't respond that he didn't deny it i was just acting dumb and then i'd hand him back the ball and you know it was the old <laughs> it's those it's those weird moments the old teller technique when you write your book you'll call it that the teller technique the, the teller, teller. Technique. it's just blank pages yeah <laughs> learn something or write your own there you go yeah but that that being said can you imagine and I heard about this uh, when I took uh, Shakespeare as a class um, for undergrad. Professor saw Kelly McGillis in uh, Kelly McGillis opposite Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Yeah, that one playing Hermia wow. in Midsummer Night's Dream. And she said it was terrible because every single line was like this. <laughs> I send a, no, it's like, but it's Kelly McGillis. He met Tom Cruise. You, you better know? fucking <laughs> like it. Yeah, right. you know my. It was at the Kennedy Center. Imagine going, paying all this money, and then it's like for that. You know what's funny is my mom. Yeah. My mom always talks about when she went and saw the King and I at the Pantages when she was like ten or whatever. It went back when Yul Brenner was still touring with King and I, so she got to see the King and the yeah. King and I at the Pantages. She says that was like her happiest like moment of her childhood ever, and um, uh. And she would, one thing that she said that made it so awesome was that Yul Brenner would play to the audience. He would look at the audience and give them glances and little, oh, this, uh, you know, Lady Anna, she's crazy, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, uh, she would always tell that story. So anyway, I'm in a show in, um, in this, uh, years ago, I was in a show where the director um, had seen 
the Yule Brenner traveling King and I. Mm -hmm. His take on it was the exact opposite. He hated it because Yule Brenner kept playing to the audience and giving little like look aside. He said he didn't act, he didn't play the part. He was a curmudgeon. I hated that director anyway. But he was like, I, he he never played the he never played the part. He was always looking at the audience, just playing us up like we were gonna love it. And I hated it. And I'm like, you're just a shithead. But why? Thank you, Grinch. Love you. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, but you know, when you see celebrity, I mean, if I paid money to go see what's her Top Gun um, as Hermia. I wouldn't yeah. care how she, she could play it shitty. I don't care. It's like, Hey, she's, you know, it's her. I'm cool. You know, whatever. Yeah. If I went and saw Yul Brenner in the King and I, he could walk on stage and walk off worth it. And uh, yeah. I'll drive home. But like, I, I can see where like that director is coming from. I, I would just say I would disagree because I actually like that stuff happening. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, yeah, I understood. And I think that's why it made me so mad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, no, like I, I went and saw, um, the producers in LA. Uh, it wasn't Nathan Lane and uh, Broderick. It was um, uh, names Jason Alexander and Martin Short. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Okay. So, and I actually, having seen the movie, I guess Nathan Lane and Broderick were the originals. Yeah. I still prefer uh, Jason Alexander and Martin Short. I thought I just liked because they're the first ones I saw. Awesome. But there were several times throughout the show, um, and this is even before I got into really deep into theater. I was in high school, but even throughout the show, you get to say like there was like a moment where like. Martin Short like fucked up a line, and Jason Alexander like started laughing like, like, and I loved it. I love I lo I like it. Like yeah. not in like not in a, a sense of like oh look they're fucking up. It's no. more like okay they're human. This is entertainment. Yeah, this I, is live I, theater. I it's... like I like seeing fuck ups. Yeah, not not out of like a torture. Yeah. thing. I just think it's okay. Look, they're human. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I think it's, it, it's, it's what, another level to it. Yeah. It's why I like. Saturday Night Live when they do the little when they do the live skits um, and they have the little mess ups and then they like just laugh and keep going. I love that. Is it because yeah. it felt like live theater? Like you're actually watching mm -hmm. it. It was really good. Minus Jimmy Fallon because he laughed fucking all the time. Yeah, Lenny, <laughs> do you remember going to see Father of the Bride at Candlelight Pavilion? And then Ethan, uh, it's the basketball scene, and they can't get the damn basketball. I don't think it was Ethan doing it, actually. It was the father yeah, and the, and the bride. Was, I do and remember it's that. just like, well, how long are we going to wait for you to make a basket? And I remember know? that poor man. Was that the one I was in? Yeah. Oh, shit. The, yeah. That, that poor, I do remember that. That poor man who yeah. was, was playing Steve Martin's character. God. I do remember that because he kept trying to make the basket, and he couldn't. So he kept trying to <laughs> he kept trying to improvise lines. <laughs> like, uh, we wanted to go in too, audience. You know. <laughs> well, look, I do remember that because, like, yeah, the, the next line was dependent on him making that basket. Ugh. So you couldn't move on. Ugh. I do remember that, and he was just like, huh, well, here, okay." Uh, huh. Like, it was just like, love it. Cringe, well, Mitch, you love were it. in the cast. How, what was the? Mo did you guys count how many baskets? I, it took. What was the longest it took? Did he oh, ever God. get it? Okay, time? I was in it, but I had a really small part, which meant most of the time I was in the green room, just chatting and not watching the yeah, show. Because, like, like mm. it, Father of the Bride, after you've seen it the second time, it's just the most boring thing ever. And maybe I just need to have a daughter someday and get it. And it would <laughs> we, still be a boring. But you know show. what though? So the, yeah. cause it wasn't a play, right? He adapted, they adapted it from the movie. I think it was a play first. Okay. I, I think I'm not aware I'm not of that. Sure. I'm not sure, but I will say the movie I can still watch to this day. Yeah. And it's super entertaining. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That yes. play it does not hold up to the movie at all. No, no. Um, it better be, it, it better be a stellar cast. You better believe that it's the daughter. Um, you need a, you need that father, daughter, thing and unfortunately if the players don't have some real experience to draw on or they're not amazing actors it's yeah. just going to fall short mm -hmm. so 
Yeah. I remember I uh, watched a play once, and it was around, I think, I forgot, I won't mention what the play is, but this guy, who is probably the best actor in the show, um, he starts drinking like a whiskey on stage, and he swallowed down the wrong pipe. Oh, shit. On stage. Okay. And it was just super, as someone who does that all the fucking time in normal life, (laughs) I couldn't imagine on stage. And so he was sitting there just like, he did that, he's like, <laughs> like, you, you gotta know. play to that. Yeah, you gotta you see gotta. that's where improv, the, the, yeah. the integrity of the character that you're playing, you can leverage that. That's all yeah. yours. That goes back to Mike's point is like you can have I think you can have a good improver improver? Improvisationalist? Sure. sure. Someone who yes. does improv that doesn't know much about acting and still be stellar. But if you have an actor that doesn't know anything about improv, it's not going to be a good performance. Where's yeah. my line? There's yeah. no line for me right. choking on whiskey. Or if the glass falls off the table and breaks, what do they do? Or someone me. someone misses an entrance and you're just oh. on stage waiting. If you don't have improv in you, you're you're yeah. And I think even on, uh, on top of that, just the confidence to 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 do something because I've seen That's when things true. when things go wrong and people freeze. Yes. Um, one of the most impressive things I've seen, it was actually during Cuckoo's Nest. And there's a few things that went wrong during Cuckoo's Nest that I had to adapt to. Mm. Um, but this kid who was in the play, uh, to those who aren't familiar with it, the, during the last act of the play, uh, they're in the state asylum, and they managed to get the alcoholic guard to open up a window to let these girls in who brought booze. And part of the deal is that he gets one of the bottles. Mm-hmm. So opening night, oh, yeah. uh, one of the girls runs in, and I hug her, and we kiss. And she... I forgot, like he's supposed to, I forgot the whole thing. She drops the bottle and it shatters on the ground. <laughs> so my big moment was like, initially, like we just kind of hand it to him. And so just in the moment, I was like, all right, yo, that one's yours, dude. Ha <laughs> ha. And we, so that was my line. But this kid who'd never been in a play before, I think it was just prag- pragmatism, just okay. pragmatic, whatever the word. He, so the, the exit of the, the room, if you will, yeah. the, that level is on house left, stage right. Okay. Um, and the, the broom closet is the opposite. So after that, he's like, and he's supposed to, he's like a tw- mid 20 guy, maybe young twenties, but he's like made to look older. So he lobs over to the, the broom closet, opens it, starts looking around. Whoa. There's a stage hand there. And he's like, bring me a broom on the other side of the stage, broom and dustpan. Whoa. So he, okay. So the people watching, I mean, granted we're still doing our lines, but if they're watching him, it looks like this old guy goes to the closet can't find a broom, yeah. then leaves. And then he comes back on, sweeps it up. Wow. Um, I think he had like one piece of the bottle that still had some liquid in it. Took that piece over to a table and started trying to find <laughs> ways to drink it. And this dude oh. had, yeah, and he had never acted before. Love it. He had never acted love before. Love it, love That's it. That's brilliant. Granted, in the moment, I was, because I was like McMurphy, so I was just doing my lines. I wasn't paying attention, but later... Someone showed me the tape of it because they had like the tape recording. I was like, that is the most fucking brilliant thing I've ever seen. That's ninja. Something you can't teach. Yeah. uh, Well, to go back to what you were talking about confidence, and I think that's the biggest thing about improv and what I love is that we, Mm -hmm. when, because theater, acting, whatever, it's all about being natural. And when when you're a confident, you, 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 Mike, are confident in your character, who you are. When you walk into a room, you say what you want confidently. Anyway, when you're acting, you're that character that person you've created needs to have that same kind of confidence and when something goes wrong that you don't foresee that confidence can't go away you're still that character so that's where i think improv plays that invaluable 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 part in that is that Mm -hmm. teaching that 
confidence. Oh, yeah, because then you have, um, I think it's a security blanket. Because one thing I've told people, um, like in real life, if I'm Mike on stage, I do have stage fright. I, I'm not really good with karaoke. Right, yeah, me too. Um, wow. Public speaking, to an extent, I'm okay. Uh, but like karaoke, I generally don't like it. Um, and I've never done like professional improv in front of strangers. I did it once in college, but even then I'm kind of like, uh, like in classes, it's mm-hmm. different, you know? But so on stage, when you're a character, that's what uh, people I know are always confused. Like you've acted on stage, you sang on stage. Yeah. Why are you afraid of karaoke? And I'm yeah. like, cause that's me. And it's not planned. There's no, there's no plan. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. with a play, you do have a script, you have blocking, you have a plan. So I think with that confidence and improvisation, when, when your plan breaks, when the train does go off the rail, you have to be ready to get it back exactly. on. Exactly. And a lot of actors don't have that ability. I could say I've successfully gotten it back on yeah. on some occasions. But yeah, I think because I've seen actors just freeze. It's it's a skill that can be taught. It comes a lot naturally to a lot of people, but it's, it can, it be, can taught. be taught. And that's what the point of improv mm-hmm. classes should be. And experience. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. experience, comfort, and confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that it comes that, back to the confidence, though, is even if you're a decent improviser, the confidence to, oh, shit, the, the table broke. Yeah. How do we... Like a lot of people just freeze. Like, what do we do instead of having the confidence? Okay, let's just do something. Mm. Like we have to do something. Well, for me, what the biggest benefit I've had with improv, I guess, in acting is my physicality when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm moving around. And because next time you go see a community theater show, try to see more than one performance and watch actors and see how repetitive their movement is. Some actors will go through the exact same motions at the exact same lines and go through everything. I love just mixing it up, improving my movements, being just little every time. It's like, okay, I should be here at this point, but everything else, like what I'm fiddling with on the bar, what I, the, the mm. pillow on the couch, the, uh, you know, the little trinket. On that's the, the exploration. Right. That's, yeah. that's, that's keeping, I think that, I think that's a description of Meisner technique right there. Oh, okay. Cause you're fresh every night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that way, you know, the movement's new, the listening is new, your reactions to when people are speaking, that's all part of the physicality. I mean, you have to hear it for the first time and you, you react to it for the first time, even, you know, and that's, that's where I've improved mostly. But you but. know what? You're, you're right. And I think I'm generally, I'm very similar in the sense. <clears throat> and um, in my experience, I've had directors who are not necessarily against that. I know some who are like, no, you're at this part, at this line, you need right. to be here, blah, blah, blah. Like it's like a blueprint. Right. But a lot of directors I've worked with have said like, listen, if, as long as you're at this point, yeah, yeah when yeah. you have to say the line, yeah, I could give two fucks, yeah, what you do. As long as you're not disrupting the scene, do whatever you want. Not not catching flies, as a, my high school teacher would yeah, say, is that yeah. that guy in the Shakespeare show in the background, who's an ancillary character. Do your lines and just stand there like you should, like a guard, like you should. But then the butler or the whoever is standing there starts seeing the imaginary fly and trying to catch it. You know, in the background, because <laughs> they want attention. They're bored. Yeah. I get it. Everyone's done yeah. Shakespeare. It's boring. You're on but... stage. People are looking at me. No, I think yeah. I think you're right though. As long as it's it's real, it's like yeah. realistic. Right. Um, it's fine. And I I think. Uh, and if you get into that habit, when something breaks, you're just ready to react to it breaking in a mm-hmm. natural way and and be able to to move on. So, moving on. But it's fascinating. <laughs> Well, last night, it's it's interesting because I found myself getting angry that I, I realized there would be a ramp up in other people in the class. I did, But I wasn't prepared to be denied and I wasn't prepared to people say, hey, you're doing a fake accent, you know, and it's like, but <laughs> well, now uh, it's yeah. like, that's my fault for getting angry. I've got to adjust to that. I've got to accept their denial oh, and wow. then build off of that. And if I want to go meta, I call them out and, we, and it's a whole other scene. So it's... yeah. 
it's if if a brick is thrown, you've got to build on that brick, even if it's a denial, even if it's a question, even if it's a saying you're doing a fake accent, you mm -hmm. know, and just go with it. Well, I think like what you just said uh, is I've granted you've had a lot more experience than me, but like when we're doing improv, if you do have someone who who says no, who denies, and like you said, the best way to go about that is instead of pushing on what you wanted and then just deny it again, you just roll with that denial. Kind of like what you mm -hmm. said. Yeah, like I've, I've found that that's a lot easier way to adapt to that. Well, I've had a hard time with that last night, but you know oh, what? Sure. It's like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming, so I'm ready for it next time. Well, so. that's why, I mean, I never, I always had a hard time accepting the yes and principle and the never denying in principle in improv is because I, I learned about the method and having the objective, Stanislavski's method, super, mm -hmm. super objective. And just as important as your objective is the obstacle, is the other people or other things, circumstances stopping you. Yeah. And those being just as important as what you're trying to do and the people stopping you. So when I hear, when I when I was younger and I'd hear, no, there's you never say no. I'm like, but, but that's where character comes from. That's where tragedy comes from is the no. What, what, what are you that's talking about? So and, and so I was, it took me a while to really understand the context of what they were talking about. Because in improv it is different. Yeah. Right, exactly. But yeah, I love, I love, I love obstacle. It's fun. <laughs> well, yeah, you can still create an obstacle, but it, it is because I've, I remember in college actually, um, in an improv class we had to take. I forgot what it was, but it was like me and some other person were like, oh yeah, okay, so here's an apple, and this chick was like, no, that's not an apple. We're like, just uh, take the apple. She's right. like, I don't want the apple. And we're like, interesting. So like, it's one thing if, if like, kind of like what Eddie was saying, if if she said that like, I don't want the apple because. I was raped by an apple or something like, but something like that, that builds on it. Yeah. That's more, okay. So okay. you're denying, but you're building on it. You're that's building. more an example of an obstacle, not a denying the scene. Yeah. It's like, this is an apple. When you say, no, it's not. That's a no. That's a denying the scene. Like mm -hmm. what Eddie's talking about. But when it's like, here's an apple, I don't want the apple. That's not denying. That's it's building. building. That's and that's obstacle. what I mean. Like, yeah. but what okay. she said was just like, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, or it was like, take, here's the app, take the apple. And she was like, I'm not taking the apple. But there was no reason. It was just like right. she was. Let's be honest. She was kind of just a bitch. Um, then you call that out. Then it's like at the oh, time, yeah. But you're right. I looked at it. It's a quince, and you're a bitch. <laughs> you know, you just say it. You go with it. If I can go back, I will. I would say actually that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a bitch. I think one of the. It was a punchline that I hit. I forgot what the context of the scene, but there was this in that same class. Uh, this is the only problem with the public college is that people can sign up for some of these classes that shouldn't be in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> this older woman who was awful, but she was in it. She was a, a great, sweet woman, just not good. You know what I mean? She was in the scene, and I forgot. I think me, it was this uh, two. It was me, two girls, and the woman. And the scene that we were building up on was like I was with this girl, but I was cheating on on her with this one, something like that. But it was funny. And the older woman, but just, it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> But the older woman just stepped in. This is after, like, we actually had the big, like, don't deny talk. Okay. Um, earlier in the class. And so the woman just comes storming in. She's like, you all should have a threesome. And I remember, like, it's kind of made it. I was like, guys, we can't say no. <laughs> it was just like, we can't say no. Yeah. And we got a laugh. And then we were like, okay, scene. But I just remember like that moment, like it was kind of made about the denying. Perfect. Um, I was like, hey, you know. Well, hey. If she said it. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, and I just got herpes yesterday. Well, Hold on it. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Because right there, you had an opinion about that. 
So something got thrown out there was supposedly taboo. More information's added, and then Mitch added a perspective. Oh, lucky, you know, yeah. and that flies <laughs> in the face. Because too often in real life, we we fix things, and it's like, okay, you know, you fix something on stage. Now what's your conflict? Well, you better damn mm-hmm. well dream one up, or else we're going to watch two fellows on stage just shooting the shit. You know, and, you like, know what? Uh, you kind of kind of touched on if you meant to or not. So one thing I learned um, during my my acting training, um, I did not like the professor at the time, but he made a great point. Because um, a lot of times when we look at characters, uh, you, you kind of, depending on your, your, your line of thought, you say, okay, what would I do in this situation that this character is in? What would I do? And me, a lot of times, I'm thinking of the rational thing. Mm-hmm. I, would call, I would de-escalate. I would do this. I would do that. Um, the rational things. And I had this professor, even though me and him did not get along at all. He made a point one day. He's like, yeah, like the rational thing is the rational thing, but that's boring to watch. Hmm. No one wants to watch a husband and wife get into a small conflict and then immediately de-escalate it because they love each other. He's like, no one that those that sitcom is going to fail in two episodes. In it's why there are horror movies. Yeah, because they're not thinking. And so I remember because up to that point, I was like, this, I, I I don't this, I don't understand some of this direction. And then he kind of just, and it was a very simple point to make. Hmm. But once he said that, he's like, real life is boring. Mm -hmm. Like you want the conflict. Yeah. You want you want to root for the characters to get along. If they're already getting along, it's, it's going to be a boring show. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just That's kind of That's why people come to the theater mm-hmm. because life is boring. Mm-hmm. exactly. And it was just it was such a small point to make, but I remember just in that one moment I was like, that's where I'm getting it wrong. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. in, there's certain things I'm like, I don't I'm not understanding this like why are they why is the character doing this? And it's like because if they did the right thing, yeah. it'd be boring. Yeah. Um and even as a writer, like that lesson, I was like, okay, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's you wanna you wanna believe that in acting and in, in movies, theater, whatever, TV, that it's as realistic as possible. But it's it's there's a moment when you realize that the more realistic it gets, the boring, the more boring yeah. it is. Yeah. And with a constraint of improv, those lights are on for two to three minutes. Spit it out. Who are you to each other? What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. What's the conflict? Get it out. We don't have time to develop the scene. We got three minutes. Yeah. It's funny. Today, I saw an example kind of that. Uh, my my wife's watching some 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 shit about some bachelors on, on, on a paradise <laughs> or something like that. Uh, old season. And I walk in and I'm like, you know, how is it? She's like, it's terrible, but I love it. These people are horrible. They're dumb. They're gorgeous, but they're just <laughs> dumb. And I'm like sitting there and I'm laughing and I'm thinking about how, you know, the, the belief that that tragedy is example of humanity's best traits and comedy is the example of humanity's worst traits. Like that's like what mm. it boils down to. And you'd think it'd be the other way around, but you're, you're that's, I don't quote that shit. Did you, did you just make that up? I, Aristotle said that shit. So. Did he, oh, okay. I was like, did you, did you just make that up? <laughs> no, no, that's I good, Mitch. Yeah, it's good. Can yeah. I use that? that? It's cold, Mitch. You know what? It's public domain. I did write that. There you go. Was, uh, yeah. Anyway, but then so we're watching this just ridiculous, just trash people that have way too much good looks and way too much money. And they're just like, terrible and i remember thinking this is what's so great about it is how terrible these people are and we enjoy watching how terrible and we we sit in there saying i would never say that we would never do that like like common sense people would never do this boring yeah 
we need ridiculous, yeah. horrible people yeah. doing horrible shit, and we uh, they're going to live it. like that. You just get to watch it for your mere entertainment. I think they I, have to live like that. Somebody's going to marry them. Yeah. You know? like, so don't like, mind me. Yeah. Today, Cycle continues. I might make this like a landmark in my life because something like a switch flipped in my brain today when I suddenly realized that I'm like, it's okay that they're terrible. Okay, <laughs> I think I can enjoy it now. <laughs> well, I'm here to be entertained. Yeah. This isn't yeah. the news. I mean, I still have a principled stance against a lot of reality TV anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've always thought, uh, you know, like rednecks are always like, illegal immigrants are going to take our jobs. They're going to get paid less and take it. They do. They are like that. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like <laughs> as not that I'm like in the industry, but as somebody like related to the entertainment industry, uh-huh. when I see like those reality TV shows, I'm like, they're taking their jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone you know, who, who's you know I mean? serious like, about someone who's serious about the craft. Yeah, seeing all the attention on just the horrible nothings, and you're just furious. Like I worked, and I can't. Yeah, yeah. you have, yeah, you no, have hundreds of thousands of actors in in Hollywood, yeah. in L.A., New York, yeah. Atlanta now, yeah. every major city, who spent years perfecting their craft. Yeah, and you have Joe Joe Habanero or <laughs> on Fantasy Island taking his shirt off. Can't pronounce. Can't pronounce the word pronounce. Yeah. I, I know I know people who have studied almost 10 years in music, learning how to sing and doing opera, opera like trained singers just to see what's his name, Billy Eyelash, win all the all the all the awards. <laughs> For whispering. For whispering into a beat and that's it. Whispering. I will fight anyone on, on on Billy Eilish Eilish. Eyelash was fine. I, Eilish, I'm yeah. not seeing it. I've tried giving several different songs. I just don't get it. Maybe it's just that with her. I think age. there's like <sighs> one of hers, like like one or two songs I actually enjoy. Okay, but I don't think I don't think she de- deserves as much praise. Well, we'll we'll have an episode where we just rip on every song. Every, every, you know, it, we'll, it, we'll, we're gonna think start- about this. Think about this. The firepower, the experience we have in this room, improv comedy. Uh, you know, we were community actors. Hell, we were in, we were, you know, background we in, in a, in a production. Uh, we're close, you know, to the industry, have all this access and Snooki makes more money than all of us. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I, I remember I, I, years ago, I, I ripped on Jersey shore. I, and I will always continue to. And somebody actually said that they're like, you just hate it. Cause you're jealous. And my response was, yeah, yeah. And I have a right to be. Yeah. Like, I have a right to be. I think, no, jealousy has, uh, this took a turn. Jealousy and envy has this negative connotation on it. And there, it should have a negative connotation. Mm. But I think there is rightful jealousy. Oh, yeah. Um, if, like, I've seen it where, like, people work their asses off to be, to own a bar. Right. And then, um, I actually, not a bar, but I, I knew a girl in high school where, like, literally, as she graduated high school, her parents bought her a tanning salon mm. to run. Damn. So if you're a young lady who wants to run a tanning salon and you're going to business school or you're, even if you're just working at a different tanning salon to learn the trade right. and you see the girl that graduated the same year as you be given it, mm. I think you have a right to be a little jealous. Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between jealousy and envy? That's what I was, I was just going to say. Maybe, it's yeah. like there's a bit of a, of a – the, the, it's a fine line because there's, there's the concept of covetry where it's like it's not so much – um, I want that. It's that they don't deserve it. I should have it. Okay. Kind of kind of thing. And it's that's in. Yeah. It, I see it a lot with the, the the war against the rich today. A lot of people who are lower class say, you know, that's too much money. They shouldn't have all that much money. What they're really saying is, they shouldn't have it. I should have it. It's not so much envy. And I think jealousy, envy, 
can be healthy, especially in an economic point of view, because it's like, I want to earn enough you to be drive, like yeah. that. You know, you want to be driven. Um, I want to work hard enough and own a bar and do that like that person has. Um, but I do think there is a place for saying, okay, that's fucked up. I was working my ass off and then they were just giving it to them. That's what I mean. That's like, yeah. But that, yeah. That's how I look at some of these fucking these, these reality TV shows. I don't yeah. mind the competitive ones. Like Survivor, cool. Cool. I like it. Uh, the game show's fine. But The Bachelorette. The Real Housewives. The Real Housewives, the bullshit, whatever. Yeah, yeah like that. Even Big Brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look at it on, on a long enough timeline. Okay, so television's one thing. You, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. How is that um, classmate and that tanning salon doing today? Is it still around? The, the tanning salon is not. Her incredibly good luck still around. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's luck. No, no. When I say good luck, I mean. Oh, okay. Oh, still being here. She she just has a wheelbarrow full of money just whenever yeah. she needs it. Okay. Yes. The, and some people are born into that. Does that improve them? If I think she's a sweetheart. Rich. Oh God. See the see the um. Uh, it's a very fascinating documentary. Actually, it came out. There were viewings when I lived at Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was about, you know, the um, the guy who uh, uh, filmed it, he's heir to the Johnson Johnson wow. uh, uh, fortune and everything. And in his family, you just didn't talk about money. I think I watched you know? this with you. Yeah. I feel like I, I watched this with you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? That's, that's a fascinating. It's like, okay, so when money is just not a problem at all, mm. how do you live your life and what are you living for? Yeah. That's Where's true. your challenge? It's, it's, it's tough for me because it's, it's – what you're talking about is the parents that give their kids, you know, what, you know, the, the better life and things like that. There's yeah. When the, when the kids are shitty and they take it for granted and they rub it in your face, that's one thing. But for the most part, in my experience, anyway, the, the kids that reap what their parents give them, um, comes from, well, I, I, I try to put myself in the parents position or I put my parents in the parents position. And I think about how hard you work your whole life to give your kids a better, sure. better life. Like, I'd personally love to get rich one day and send my kids to the greatest schools. And I know when they're in the good schools, there's going to be the kids in the public schools looking down on the kids in the big schools. Oh, because your parents just put you through it. You didn't deserve it. And it's like, well, there's a legacy there. The- and, but I think there's a difference because to, even though I'm kind of railing on this one chick, she's actually a sweetheart. And I, I think she hasn't done any harm to anyone. Like she's just trying to live her life uh, using the advantages she has, which is fine. But uh, if we're getting on this subject now, there are those kids where it's like, you don't fucking deserve it. Mm. Like, and I'm not saying like in general, like I've met really wealthy people and it's like, oh, you're really nice. Like you deserve this life. Mm. You, it's almost like the, the good king, the good prince. Right. Um, and then I've met people who, who come from like that privilege and they're just a piece of shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you, not your class, you don't deserve right. what you've been given. Yeah. I mean, I've- like, like Snooky. I know, I know, yeah, but I know some self-starters that worked their whole life to become rich and they're still pieces of shit. Would you say the same thing? Like, you don't deserve the money you have even though you worked hard to get it. I would say you have worked for your money, mm. but you're still... That doesn't still, make you a good person. But it doesn't yeah. make you a good person. Okay, yeah. So do you deserve it as a moral standpoint? No. Do you deserve it because you worked for it? Sure. There's different <laughs> see, layers there. Yeah, see, I come from... I try to look at... I, the minute the word deserve comes up, my guard goes up. And I'm like, I, I technically... When I, when I say deserve, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm judging your person your morality yeah i mean even still like any kind to to somehow think that uh, it's a whole other subject i'll I'll say this i'll I'll say this because we went way off the rails yeah yeah yeah. i'll say say this i think there's a difference between earning Mm. 
mm-hmm. and deserving. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. The person who's a piece of shit, who's a self-starter, mm-hmm. they earned that money. Right. They earned it with hard work. But they killed five people in the way, so they don't deserve it. That's an incredibly extreme example. No, that, no well, that's, I like the that's extreme. That's status in society. Yeah. You know, it, well, it's, it's status in society. If you're, a, if you're a teacher, you don't make a lot of money, but society reveres you because you're, you know, teachers had an influence on us growing up. Whereas mm. if you're in the mafia, you know, you have a lot of money, but you don't really have a high standing. You, you earned that money. Yeah, you did earn yeah. that money. But do you deserve it? But it was ill-gotten gains. Like Gandhi. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't earn much, but damn it, he deserved it. He deserved every bit of nothing he had. It, yeah. It's interesting taking, you know, uh, when my honestly, when my son, uh, his school, it's basically okay. This is what's going to happen. I was kind of, I was a little perturbed. It's like, okay, I don't have a say in it, but mm. uh, his uh, his mother just said, you know, this is we're going to send him to private school. What really sold me on it was that. Uh, he he took an interest in Mandarin and was like, well, well you can't study that at every place else. So he goes to this private school and um, yeah, they can buy their basketball team. But for, for like three years in a row, they had the number one high school draft in the nation. Mm. Uh, stuff like that. You know, he, there was this one foreign exchange student from China. Uh, his uncle lived in Beverly Hills. He, there was McLaurin's in the parking lot, BMWs. And then you turn him around you turn him around and then it's like now he's in the now my son is in the marine corps mm-hmm. after being around all that now he doesn't shower alone now there's no door on his stall when he goes to take a crap wow. you know it's like the reason why i didn't join oh, the marines yeah. <laughs> but oh, sorry like, my buddy who just got out of the out of the navy he he would say like when he was on deployment they would have like the uh, the mres you know the crates of food mm. on the on the boat for him and they would get and there'd be a label on the on the crate that says not fit for prison use. <laughs> it's like wait a second. Hang on. Yeah, give it to the give it to the boys. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. they'll they'll they're at sea. What's that's a prison? They can't sue us for civil civil liberties. Or you know, we own them. <laughs> they signed up for this. <laughs> they signed up for this shit. <laughs> well, so it's it, it's interesting. I mean, part of it is your character, and part of it is your. Um, the actual well, it's, tr- track your record. character and less about how much you're making, hmm. you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All I'm saying is that Snooki doesn't deserve any of it. Can <laughs> yeah, we say yeah. that? <laughs> On my own petty note, just Snooki alone and the Desperate well, Housewives. Desperate okay, Housewives. she was cast. She was cast. People watched her. People know her. Yeah. And she's I, there I would, for our And I hate everyone. No, I would say she absolutely, I would, I'll, I'll debate you on this one. I, I think she absolutely deserves it. It's like, and I love the people that's like, I could do, I could do that job so much better. Fuck you. You can't even get the job, let alone do it better. The Snooki job. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, so there you go. But, but, and that's why Snooki is Snooki. That's, that's why, why she's an illegal us. immigrant in my industry. <laughs> Just taking all the jobs. <laughs> and yes, I, I did follow the show for a time. Imagine being Dina. I've never watched it. She's the left, and Dina is a friend of Snooki, and now you've got a freaking career because you're friends with Snooki. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, okay. Yeah, actually, I always found that um, aspect, going back to entertainment, that actually kind of uh, fun when a friend or an acquaintance or something suddenly well, gets thrown into it, and now they're the, now they're rich. And now they're the famous person. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I you know I. 
the entertainment industry is such a perfect example of just the randomness and unjustness of the world itself. And I'll that, completely agree. And it's like the, the people who do not deserve it, get rich and the people who absolutely deserve it will headline in a community show. And that's it. I've seen some mm. of the most stellar acting of my life on stage in a little, you know, black box theater. Sure. And, but Keanu Reeves is famous. You don't talk shit about Keanu Reeves. I can talk all the shit about Keanu Reeves acting all There's I want. Gonna okay. be some hate. Keanu Reeves. Look, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm saying Keanu Reeves <laughs> is one of the best people in the world. Keanu Reeves is one of the best, per, like one of the best people in the world. He's an amazing person. A1. Terrible actor. John Wick, they figured it out. They gave him less lines. And he was it was just great. I mean, so so that being said, there's there's that there, there's no pattern of working hard enough that will guarantee you a good job in, in acting. I think that goes for almost any entertainment because I've even it, well, yeah, I, any yeah, entertainment. I've I've I've, uh, I've heard singers who I think you said earlier who are absolutely amazing, absolutely yeah. stunning singers. Right. Who Who've studied and refined Yeah, and, and I, I knew a girl in high school who was amazing and she actually went on I think American Idol and she didn't make it past the first round. Meanwhile she watches the actual show. Yeah. And they they literally they on purpose put shitty singers yeah. to go in so that yeah. they can yeah. rail on them. And I was like, fine. So it's it's a bit humbling in that I think you learn a lot about how unfair the world is, and you accept it at an earlier rate when you've been in the theater and you realize oh, yeah. just how like how am I like I'm so much better. This person's so much better than that person. Why why why? There is no reason. Mm. It's just the way it is. You're, it's you're, the director vision. You were a director. You had a vision. Well, everyone here has been a director. You have a vision and you want to fulfill that vision. You are, you are correct in that way. I was going to say, though, like even in college and the theater department that I was in in college, mm. um, when because right, obviously right now, like I, I do gigs every now and then, um, short films, independent films. Um, but in, so in college, though, like I'm not in my field, obviously. I haven't worked, I haven't worked in theater. But people say, like, okay, so what was the main thing you took away from your time getting your theater degree? And my answer is dealing with difficult-ass people. <laughs> that's the pragmatic side nothing artistic yeah, and 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 we've we've yeah. laughed about it before i think uh not on camera yet but uh we, we could probably do another one based on this alone like that i i've always felt even when i was pursuing it in la um i'm an actor who can't stand other actors yeah yeah um Ooh, yeah it's, it's same. and we won't go into all the, the reasons why but like even just like i said in college what i take away from that I learned a lot about theater, a lot about acting, a lot about the business. My big takeaway, having not been successful in the industry, was simply how to deal and work with difficult-ass people. Because everyone knows no one's more difficult to work with than actors and fucking creative types. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think uh, if you take those kind of examples and look at the real world, look at <laughs> the real world. The, the world of why is this person rich? Why is that person poor? Why are, why are veterans homeless? And why are shit trust fund kids, you know, living it up? It's, there is no reason to it. It's Chaos. completely random. And the sooner you learn how unfair the world is, the happier you're going to be because you just accept oh, yeah. it. Of course. So um, I actually know sometimes I'll, I'll run into someone who, if I'm working with them on something and they, they behave a certain way or rude to the boss, and I'm like, I would have loved to see you do theater. <laughs> The director would have you by the balls. <laughs> I've seen community theater directors who are just fucking cutthroats. Yeah. And then these people, I'm like, it's almost like they say, like, everyone should take, like, work a year in the service industry or yes. serve a year in the army. Yeah. You should do at least, like, three plays. <laughs> if you can survive three. You do work, work as a stagehand. Or, oh, stagehand, yeah. Maybe a, a background actor and then yeah. one with some lines. Yeah. 
with yeah. with a dick director. <laughs> mm. And that should be your your uh your your I don't know. That's your your, your penance. Your, your penance there you go. Before you before, before education. When yeah. I own a college Stage. before anyone even gets accepted, those are like the pro you have to you have to have worked a year in the service industry, a whole year. Fuck you. A whole year. And at least on some theater and uh, to a <laughs> oh, absolutely, and then you can get accepted for mathematics <laughs> for your for a geography degree. <laughs> what does this have to do with anthropology? All right, here's your coffee. Well, don't call us; we'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> that that should be it. Forget actually having to do theater. You just have to audition for like a oh. month straight every day. Oh man, every oh, day that's struggle. Fun. Wow. Yeah, you like you have to in order to get in, you have to give a paycheck for an acting gig. Yeah. Just Ooh. a paycheck or a pay stub for some sort of acting gig. Get out there and get one and then you can, you know, <laughs> yeah. get a taste. It's miserable. It. <laughs> it's so terrible. We I think when we we actually even though we've spent a lot of time on this one, when we actually talk about like the the craft of acting like the actually working it. Yeah. Stories of auditions. Oh yeah. I have some. <laughs> See, I never pursued it really as like well, I mean I went to school to school for it for a bit but i never pursued it as a career kind of thing so i don't have very many audition stories all mine are community theater auditions that, that but community theater i have some great ones there too yeah but consider the fact that i would show up for a straight play of one of three other dudes and 50 girls and i come in and i was like what do you want me to read for uh because i'm gonna get a part you know it i know and it. and they're like well here's your part here's thank you and then yeah. <laughs> it's kind of everyone's like yo you're always in all the plays only one auditioning there's, there's. I no wish way. I got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not even coggy. It's like no, there's just never dudes in theater who do. You're just the only one play. who knew how to shoot a basketball. Got <laughs> <laughs> my my lead part. So I ran. Remember, I was like in sixth or seventh grade, and I ran like a a two k, yeah, like a three k. Wasn't even like a five k. I remember I ran it, and I got a gold. And we went to like the ceremony where they're handing the golds out, and I got a gold, and like. A guy got a silver, and that was it. Wow. There's just two of us in our division. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah. At first, like, gold, Michael Glenn. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. Like, silver, Joe Schmo. And then it was like, and, and that's I hate it. to admit this. <laughs> hate to admit this. It was like that in judo, too. Yeah. yeah. There's only three people in the pool. Good. We only got three medals, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the bronze at the very least. <laughs> Something hanging exactly. on the wall. Exactly. <laughs> all good that's weird i mean grew up in theater it was always 10 girls to every guy in theater um then i trained muay thai walk in first day I'm like where are all the chicks this is weird <laughs> i came <laughs> to muay thai class for the pussy <laughs> I, I need to get into this a is play bullshit. That's what this tells me play immediately musical theater play yeah. immediately because and this is this kind of takes us full circle improv you can just kind of stroll in but then again if it's a community theater audition you can kind of stroll into that too kind of yeah. but then who strolls into that this guy so <laughs> this guy <laughs> all right guys i think that was uh that's good, good, good chat. anything like, else from you mitch uh, uh thank you eddie for these uh these great stories it's uh Mm-hmm. You've got, you've, you, you always bring in a different element of, of the, the, the class element, the furthering your skill, the kind of, like, you know, constantly refining. It's kind of interesting. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of inspiring to be honest, like wanting to do how you constantly want to do the classes. Cause it seems like I would never do that. And then, but then you talk about it and I'm like, Oh, okay, maybe I should. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And it's something to do. It's like, we've been cooped up. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm just done with Zooming and stuff. Well, except for this. I was like, wait, um, wait, wait the too, fuck a second. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I want to be around. I want to be around people. And improv is the start. Next, I'm going to do acting classes nice. and stuff like that just because I really want to get into it. I think it's going to make me a bit better improver. And, uh, you know, just kind of moving to this new area. I need more people. And I want to meet. Uh, it's a way to do it. Yeah. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a way to do it. Cool. Eddie, anything else from you? Uh, just, uh, this is a really good discussion. It was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, just, um, just know who Meisner is for <laughs> yes. weird time yes. for notes. Just, in, just in case somebody asks you somewhere. Yeah. It's like a challenge coin. You'll know who Meisner is. You yep. need to know. Take that home. You're welcome. Yeah. So like five years from now, 20 years from now, you know, I was watching fake philosophers and I, <laughs> That that one episode when you brought, I looked up Meisner and said to hell with improv. We could be in somebody's uh, Academy Award speech. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome ahead of time for best <laughs> acting best acting person in a leading role. <laughs> best acting person. Five years from now. Yeah, Meisner. Five years. Uta Hagen. All them. <laughs> Stanislavski or whatever. Just throw out as many names as we can so that they remember. What's the other Stanislavski. one? Stanislavski. Stanislavski. Uta Hagen. Meisner. Ivana Chubbuck. Chubbuck. Well, she was already, Chubbuck. I couldn't think of Chubbuck. She got thanked for uh, from Halle Berry, so that's why you know. Oh yeah, yeah. She got, during right. her speech. Deep note for all the you know people studying acting: read Aristotle's Poetics. Yes. It's, uh, yes. That, it, it'll it it sounds so pretentious. Read it. It's some of the greatest wisdom there. We are the fake philosophers, and your one stop for uh, theater advice. Oh shit! We mentioned a philosopher. We did. We got uh, Aristotle in there. We did get Aristotle in there. Rock and we roll, did. Man. All right. And he ain't fake. He ain't fake. He ain't fake. Thought about it. Yeah. Anything from you, Glennie? No, I think that's it. I think we should just wrap it up. Cool. Yeah, Let's that's good. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, on behalf of my my crew here, uh, have a good night or day or Cheers. whatever. Or drive home. Or drive home. Yes. <laughs> have a good one, guys. Cheers.